In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hey, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. Welcome. So, um, I know you had you had an idea for something that could sort of lead us into the topic we were going to do here that's sort of, uh, what would you call it? It's pop culture uh, related, at least. Well, go ahead and uh, hit it. Certainly, certainly. Well, it's, it's everything related. Um, we, we spoke a... Uh, tidbit on the powers and principalities that uh, tend to aggregate at high places. Um, so I thought we would really dig into that and try to give uh, a name to it and give some description to those uh, in the world for people to uh, help recognize it as it uh, you know, is, is happening around them. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I, I'm no expert on any of this stuff. So, you know, those of you who are watching this, you may go, Oh, he's wrong about that. Oh, he's wrong about this. Maybe I am. That's that's fine. Uh, I I'm just going to relate what I know as best I know, and you know, happy happy to have a further conversation on the topic with anybody who's interested. So, the way it looks is to me, is something like this: most people, especially those who have some sort of Christian or Christian society background, when they think of demons they think of something that is scary and spiritual. And anything that is scary or evil and spiritual tends to go into the demon category. And when, when you start to actually do a little bit of looking into this, I know uh, I've watched podcasts where guys have said, yeah, I, I have a theology degree or I have a degree from a Bible college and we spent maybe two hours in my whole time there talking about demonology and angelology like it's really that bad um wow i, I was li i was seriously i was listening to a podcast two or three days ago and a guy said that he said i have a degree in this and we spent maybe two hours on it and i'm like yeah well that doesn't surprise me so let's let's get a little more specific as i understand it this is how it kind of lays out um and actually, if you don't mind if I sort of digress just a little bit here, um, I can pull it back, but do you mind? Sure, sure. Okay, Where so interesting note, and this pulls back into what we're talking about, God never instituted hierarchy among humans. So when we talk about authority in a human context, and authority is a whole other topic, but it, it's sort of important to this because when we talk about the spiritual realm, especially as Christians, what authority means really matters. So in, in a spiritual context, God instituted hierarchy among 
spiritual beings. You could call them angels, you could call them the hosts of heaven, whatever you want. Um, it's uh, We can sort of talk about the Divine Council worldview if you want. This is some a concept sort of coined by Dr. Michael Heiser. You can look up his Unseen Realm seminar if you're interested in taking a deeper dive into this. He, his whole life's work, he, he died actually in this past January or something, his whole life's work was to do with the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, as we can understand it from scriptural and solid sources. And his work was really, really cool. He, he synthesized a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but as I understand it, you've got demons are sort of like the bottom level thing when it comes to spiritual beings. And the way the book of Enoch describes them is as the spiritual remnants of the Nephilim. And the Nephilim were hybrids between angels and humans, and their spirits, when they died, were cursed to roam the earth. They were not taken to an afterlife, they were cursed to roam the earth. Those are demons. So they're not particularly... Um, Not particularly strong, not particularly difficult to deal with. So let's say, for example, you're a Christian and we know Christ told us that he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And if we take authority over things in his name because of the rigid hierarchy rules that have been set in place on a spiritual level, those instructions, when you, when you tell a demon to do something in Jesus' name, It'll be like, yes, sir, how fast, how high do I jump, sir, sort of a thing. It's like, it will listen and it will obey. But above demons, you have other powers and you get to principalities at the top of the list. So, you know, these powers can be categorized in a number of ways, and I really don't know that much. I'd be interested in learning more as time goes on about this subject, but... There are different levels of authority and rank in this hierarchy that God instituted. And when you get up to the top levels of the hierarchy, you get things like, directly from Scripture, we know that Michael and his angels fought against Satan and his angels and threw them out of heaven into earth. And that this is a, the present state of things. That, that as far as we know, they're still here. And so some of those things also, when you talk about principalities, go back to uh, the Tower of Babel. So when... Um, and, and this is also, I believe, talked about in Deuteronomy. Again, Michael Heiser's Unseen Realm covers this better than I do, but... Um, in Deuteronomy, it talks about how when God divided up the nations, he divided them up according to the number of the sons of God. And the sons of God are Elohim, that is, spiritual powers and principalities. And each of these principalities was given responsibility for a particular nation. So, you know, exactly what they talk about the number of those that there are. They talk about what they are, but um, I think it was 70 or something like that. So it, 
I, I'm not entirely familiar with this. We're getting toward the edge of my knowledge now as far as how it all fits together. But going back to authority real quick, when God, when God instituted authority among the heavenly beings, he didn't do the same thing on, in the physical earthly plane. Instead, he gave authority. And you could think of authority as sort of like responsibility. When, when I was at my last job, the owners of the business had responsibility for the business. They were given authority over that business. It's their responsibility. It's their right to say what happens in regard to it. That does not give them the right to dictate how I live my life or what I do in other contexts, but I am responsible to them for how I operate their business, right? And, and yes. the same is true. The same is true among us in various ways. So, for example, as husbands, you and I are given authority over our homes. We are responsible for the goings on in the home. But but as a result of that, we are also given the right to make decisions, the right to make calls. It doesn't mean we're dictators or managers or anything. It means that we're given a responsibility, and along with that responsibility comes certain, what would you call them, privileges or certain um, abilities to fulfill that, right? So when I tell my wife something, it has weight that it wouldn't have if I was telling somebody else that outside my family. It has weight and that's sort of the authority thing. So we're, we can think of authority contrasting between the two realms. In the human sphere, authority is sort of a responsibility for a set of things or for a particular area, where in a spiritual world, authority is determined by hierarchy. And <laughs> guess who pulled hierarchy into the human realms? Because if you look back at Israel's history in the Bible... They didn't, God didn't give them a king. Instead, he gave them judges who had authority, meaning responsibility for seeing to disputes and making important decisions that needed to be made. But the Lord was the head of their society. God was the head of their society. Where their neighbors had kings. And so they all got together and they told God, give us a king. Well, the neighbors who had principalities ruling over them instead of God were the ones where hierarchy came from in their case. Hierarchy was brought into the human world by spiritual powers, by principalities, by spiritual beings. So when you look at, at organizations that have very rigid hierarchies, that's a pretty good indication that there's something bad going on there. Anyway, I know I talked for a long time. I monologued there. What, any thoughts? What do you want to say here? I'm sorry. Well, quite a broad topic, uh, and I'd like to bring it into uh, those names that you know. Seventy is quite a few. Um, are there any um, correlations in that work that uh, tie the number of nations to the number of demons? Well, okay, so first off, if we're going to talk about these beings, don't call them demons unless you actually mean the little ones, the ones that are just running around sort of almost think of them almost like imps they're like nasty little things that that have very simple minds and very simple intentions and they're not 
they are not very powerful, not very strong. The higher ones call them, call them spiritual powers, call them something else, call them fallen angels if you want, call them principalities, but demons, demon is a very specific term. So as to the ones that I know, there are a couple that are mentioned in the Bible. Um, the, the chief one, the main one that we would talk about is Satan, right? He's, he is the, the big bad guy. And everybody seems to think that all of these fallen powers answer to him. And while that's true in a sense because of the way hierarchy was instituted among spiritual beings, it's also not true because we see spiritual beings not really obeying each other exactly either, right? So think of it, think of it like these are actual people. These are actual created people that sort of have been, um, oh, have been designed to be obedient to their superiors more, but they're not required to. And we know that because Satan didn't. He fell. He uh, disobeyed God and he approached Eve and he lied to her. He told her an untruth. He, he twisted God's reality into something that wasn't there. And we see Jesus talking about Satan being the father of lies. And li lying is basically the only power these, these fallen beings have that, that's significant, really, because Christ took away their other authority. Um, well, I think that that's a good place to tie it in. Sure. Um, we, we spoke about everybody sinning and, and yeah. kind of having some yeah. oh, less than purity inside them. Mm -hmm. And that uh, push, yeah, the, the immediate gratification of the woman in front of you or whatever uh, sin is in front of you, the money in sure. front of you and the open register, uh, the, yeah. the things that are the temptations. Hatred, the temptation, violence, yeah. <laughs> All of that. So is it the, the, the lie that the short-term gratification, it would be uh, beneficial as opposed to the long-term gratification actually being useful? Um, is that where you're defining the, the little demon? Um, well, I have some experience with those things, but I think that, I think that that's a fairly reasonable place to start. You know, you have to keep in mind, this isn't, this isn't a world we're inventing. This is a world we're exploring, sort of, and, and that we really don't need to explore to a great degree. And actually, that's something I should probably hit on real fast, if you don't mind, is what Jesus said to us when he talked about casting out demons. He gave his disciples the ability and the right to cast out demons, and we still have that. A lot of Christians don't claim that authority, but we still have the authority over them that Jesus claimed that he has, and he gave it to us. But what he said about it is, be careful when you do this, because if you chuck a demon out, it's going to walk, it's going to go uh, roam through the dry places of the world, and there's 
the dry places of the world has a meaning, a symbolic meaning in that context. But really what it means is it's going to go through all the bad places where all of the nasty things hang out and it's going to bring a whole bunch of friends with it and it'll come back into the person you cast it out of and their final condition. And it, they will find that swept and put in order, that house that they're inhabiting swept and put in order. And their the final state of that person will be far worse than the first state. So when we talk about demons, you would say that demons take people on as sort of a territory. They take them on as sort of a, they attach to them when they do things that are, that keep God out of a particular part of their lives. So we start. Where would you? Yeah, go ahead. Where would you put dogma in that dichotomy? Dogma. Meaning the, the over religiosity, the oh uh, well habit. Okay, and and that's actually a really good question because religious spirits are some of the more pernicious ones, and I don't know whether they're demons or some other level. I just don't know. I know that I have had some experience with the bloody things, and they're obnoxious. They're they are pretty lousy. So it sort of flows and and comes out of my psyche to imagine idle hands. Um, when you're not thinking about it, when it's when it's not a conscious decision, um, we've heard of uh, popular culture lately. You know, speaking other people's words and being sure to to speak your own words. Mm -hmm. um, in that sort of uh, context, the doing of automatic, and I mean, we know that that's what got Jesus. The the automatic rules in place, not looking at this the situation in front of them murdered the son of christ so that automatic process automatic process automatic process it well and, and part the other part of it was actually a great illustration you talk about why they murdered christ why they murdered the son of god it's it's they had power they had authority and he well uh, one person a person or the system's power was controlling people okay and and here's where the lines get blurry because when you're talking about these powers and principalities you could think of them as being the system you could think of them as being the the thing that is in control of the overall and and so when you talk about the people who murdered christ the individuals had this temporal power they were religious leaders but they had temporal power over their nation over their people and when jesus threatened that and he did just by his very existence he threatened that power that they had and so they gave place to whatever principalities whatever spiritual beings were in control they they gave them permission, the people gave the principalities permission to speak to them and to use them in that context. So let me give you a personal example. This, this was kind of, this was one of the most direct uh, experiences I've had in contact with a demonic entity. I was at college, thousands of miles from home, talking to another student, and I had allowed pride into my life. And what that means is I had shut God out of a particular thing. And that allowed something else 
purchase on me. It gave them a finger hold. It gave them... And I let myself be overcome by that pride in the middle of talking to this student. And my voice dropped three octaves and my eyes went dark. And something else was... I mean, it was totally freaky. He looked at me and he just about ran away. And he insisted I come to church with him the next weekend and... Anyway, I, I ended up in I ended up in the dorm bathroom that night, just praying the blood of Jesus over myself and claim and repenting of that pride because I had allowed something else to have control over me, and that's where that comes in. So you talk about these things. Now, where we really see it is when we start to have habits, right? Like if these these religious leaders got into a habit of being in control of other people and thinking of themselves in that way, then that gives those religious demons a place to grab onto them. Go ahead. Well, in the habit in the other direction, you're always acquiesce, always acquiesce, always acquiesce. Sure. And then you're in a space where the church is absolutely well, performing the duty got, should. And what I would say is this, that People don't realize this, but just about everybody you know has some kind of demonic force attached to them in some way, small or large. We've all got these these things that have latched onto us as we've done things that are sinful, as we've done things that take us away from God. And the way you deal with them, the way you actually get rid of them, is sometimes by casting them out, but more often... For most of us, it's just by sealing up that chink in our armor. It's just by getting rid of the place that that came into our lives. It's by repenting of the sin, repenting of the habit, bringing God back into that part of our life, and giving him lordship over the thing that we had denied to him. And at that point, there, is not, there isn't a spiritual power in existence that can fight Almighty God. It just doesn't exist. So... When you give him control of something, nothing else can touch it. But but he gave us lordship over, he gave us control over our own lives and actions. So we have a right to deny him entry, and that allows other things in. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> So, so you were wanting you wanted to talk about names of these things. So, starting with Satan, I don't know what Satan is. People tend to think of Satan as an individual, but I also see a possibility for interpreting Satan as a collection of personalities that, well. We, we see examples of, of an, they say angels that have eyes of inside and outside. And in some of the weirder visions in the Bible, they describe these spiritual beings as having some very strange characteristics. Um, so it's what it says about Satan in Revelation, if I remember right, is the, the dragon Satan describes him as being... It says such and such that is the dragon Satan. It has such and such number of heads and such and such number of horns. And in the prophetic parlance, in the apocalyptic language of Revelation, that had a particular meaning. 
and I don't know exactly what that is. There, there's some debate over it. There's some argument over it. But I think it's possible that Satan could be a collection of personalities in one um, form, in one individual or something, because it has how many heads? Well, that, that kind of makes sense. It's possible. Either way, there are other beings that we know are named in Scripture. One is Baal. Okay, it's fairly clear when you start tracing the history of Baal down through the, the nations and the powers and principalities that Baal is probably Zeus, is probably Jupiter, is... Um, Baal is war? No, Baal is lordship and storms and weather. War is a different... Why does Baal eat children? That's Moloch. I see. I've got the wrong one. Yeah. And so to say that Moloch and Baal are... They're different personalities. But are they different beings? I don't know. <laughs> How would I know? But my suspicion is that Baal is Zeus, is Jupiter, is Allah. That's my suspicion. I don't know that. Um... But there are yeah, others, I can't speak right? Towards, yeah, I can't speak towards Allah at all. My life experience there is so uninformed and from the West's point of view. Yeah. I just... Well, and, and I just... I say that more from an academic sort of examination of what went on and how the, this being operates than I do from a... Mm a personal experience standpoint, it could also be, and, and see, this is where it gets really messy because trying to trace these beings from one pantheon to another pantheon to another pantheon, it's like you've got in the Norse, you've got Odin and Thor and Loki and whoever. And in the Greek, you've so, got Zeus and yeah, go ahead. Sure. Sure. So as we're looking at these things and they're, we even use the word system. Uh, people are on about the word algorithm these days. Sure. Um, so as the words change, as the name changes, the action does not. Right? They're they're defined by a um, a spirit of um, action of feeling. Right. So the <sighs> prince of darkness, the um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Something of desolation. Abomination of desolation. That's that's yes. an action that was taken by a being. And that is the watering down of truth. The... That is, it, well, it is actually something much more specific. The abomination of desolation is an action that is takes place in the Jewish temple. Now, there are a lot of people who say it happened in 70 AD when the temple was... Uh, raised. Well, not just raised. They took and they, like, burned a pig on the altar to, to God, and pigs are unclean. And so it was like... What they did in the temple there was really, really heinous. And that's when they some people say it happened. There's a lot of... My personal opinion is that those sorts of prophecies often have two separate fulfillments. You have one that's like foothills. It's like, uh, 
a more current or a more um, a more recent, more present example, and then one that's going to happen in the more distant future. So in this case, I would say that my opinion is that the abomination of desolation in in the in seventy was a sort of a, a type of a harbinger of what's going to happen in the non-distant future. Hey, can, sure. real quick, can I pause this? Can we pray real quick? I'm getting some weird, I don't know what going on here, and I would just like to, I'd like to pray real quick if that's all right. Absolutely. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to do this podcast with Greg. Please put a hedge of protection, Lord, around us, around Greg and around me. Please protect our communication and help this to get out to the people it needs to get out to. And Lord, I take authority over anything that would interfere with this conversation that is not of God. And I command you to cease your activity. Do not have any impact on me or Greg in Jesus's name. Amen. Jesus's name. Amen. So anyhow, um, so as far as, as far as naming them, we, we need to we need to actually hit something else here that's really important. When we're talking about this stuff, we need to have a reason for what we're doing. You know, if there's a reason to be naming something, that's fine. It's okay to do that. But naming things also has powerful characteristics to it. You can give things power by naming them. So, you know, just out of pure academic curiosity... I can see exploring a little bit, but I'm pretty careful how far I delve into demonology because I don't have a good reason to go there. And I don't want well, to give power to things that are spiritual beings that I don't understand. I really don't. Well, and for this uh, general discussion, as we, we go episode through episode, I think that it's just a, uh, a callback as we look at a particular situation. Uh, we had our, levels of of review of levels of discussion and yep. the deepest one being spiritual yeah no you're right it, it's going to be just a um, a mnemonic device to have it out there to call back to and maybe it's something that we'll pick up as we discuss a particular topic over and over again you'll see well, some and, and that's fine basics. you know having a reason that's the other thing is i'm not afraid i i have no fear of talking about any of these things because we are not given a spirit of fear and f having fear of them gives power to them. So I don't want to give them more attention than is due, but I'm also not afraid of them. And nobody else should be either. If you know Christ, if you have given him lordship over your life and if not, man, get a hold of me, we'll pray together because he is the only way to deal with these things. And if you have given him lordship over your life, you don't need to be afraid of these things because we have authority over them. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him and he delegates to those of us who love him. Amen. <laughs> Actually, uh, we're coming up on a break here. You want to just uh, take think, a yeah, quick a break? And break. Then we'll, yeah. Okay. So we'll be back in a minute. Be back in a minute.
Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by Energemetra 6 and the new book Bright Star by Jared Michaud, that's me, coming out in April 2024. Uh, if you're interested, head over to e6universe.com to join our book launch team for a free copy or to buy a copy with the promo code Israel for 10% off. Modern Apocrypha is also brought to you by North Arrow Coffee. Now, I don't drink coffee, but North Arrow Coffee is the coffee company that's so good that even those of us who don't drink coffee love it. It's a pro-life coffee company. 15% of every purchase goes toward a pro-life cause. You can see right on their website what those causes are and uh, where they're spending that money. If you use the promo code E6, you get 10% off on your order. And thank you. Now back to our show. Hello, everyone. We're back. Oh, thanks for the little break there. I, I liked to uh, get a little bit more breaks than uh, Jared here does. Did you find anything interesting to uh, discuss here in our week? I did, actually. When I sat down, um, I saw something on Twitter. I was, you know, clicking around while I was waiting, and I saw something Is it on called? Twitter. Is it's it called Twitter? A, it's X now, but it's Twitter. Oh, so you saw Who cares? You saw an X post? Yeah. I care. I care. It's an X post. It's, yeah, it's dead. a post on X. Um, so let me read this here. Bridget Phetasy. I love all these people who are like, stop believing this pro-Israel propaganda and have the same talking points as sitting members of Congress, the New York Times, MSNBC, most of academia, and Hamas. And funnily enough, this has 666 likes right now. That's hilarious. Oof. Okay, so... Quite the thing. <laughs> so what, the way this pulled... What this pulled me back to was... Exactly what we've been talking about, powers and principalities, and how they actually manifest in our realm, how we can actually see what's going on. And what I mean by this is something like, when you're looking at those videos, I've seen the videos of all of the newscasters from all of the news organizations saying the same thing, almost word for word, oh, yeah. one yeah. on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, so that it's so uncanny, it makes your hair stand on end because it's just weird. Okay. Where do you think that comes from? Because I, I have a degree in journalism I was in the journalism world for a while. These people aren't all in a huge conspiracy. That ain't how it works, guys. Instead, they're not getting a specific piece of paper that says, say these exact words? No, they're not. They're really not. Um, they're, they think they're coming up with this crap themselves. But, and, and that isn't always true. Sometimes you do get these companies sharing talking points. but And there are actually examples that you can point to of source material for that but by and large when you're talking about your local anchor at you know timbuktu tennessee's uh cbs talking about this particular situation and then you overlay that on the national fox reporter and they're saying the same thing it's not because they're all getting the same script um Instead, this is a perfect example of what we're talking about with powers and principalities. These people belong to a sub-society of 
America that is the journalism sub-society. And because of that, they have... They have their attention on the same sorts of things. They have the same sorts of ideas. You see this in, you know, whether you're looking at academia or politics or journalism or any number of things, all these sub-societies have a lot in common with each other. And it also opens them up to the same spiritual influences. So when, when these people have these ideas that they look at, they are looking at other people's news that's already published to see what they should be saying that day. And the way they say it is influenced by spiritual beings. Go figure. And so you see these overlays, and it's because demons aren't creative. These spiritual beings, they're not very creative. They instead they just repeat the same thing over and over. And this actually calls me to another experience that I had when I was, when I met my wife, um, she was in something that was kind of a Christian cult. And when I went there to, to see her in person, because we lived on other opposite sides of the country, when I went there to see her in person, these people all were like, are you going to take her away from us? Are you going to, are you? And to a degree that was kind of creepy. And then about the time we were getting ready to leave, these people, we talked to three different people who did not have time to talk to each other. Some, a couple of them I don't think even knew each other. And they would repeat the same things word for word, like paragraph after paragraph, in di totally different conversations. And it was enough to make your hair stand on end. Well, it's because they're all under the influence of the same beings. It's really that real, and it really affects us that much. So something like a, a groupthink or a, yeah. a mass hysteria? Well, and, and, and here's where, as humans, we try, and, and this is... This is the thing that I, I find the most one of the most frustrating things about our modern society. There's this song by uh, Keith Green. It's No One Believes in, in Me Anymore. And it's Keith Green pretending to be Satan, saying that the biggest, the, the most helpful thing that has happened in history is that people stopped really believing in the enemy. And so as, as Christians, we tend... We, we give lip service to these spiritual beings, but we don't really believe that they're actually affecting things. We try to look to human agency when the spiritual is the more likely explanation. So there are real human conspiracies. There is real groupthink, but what does that mean? Does that groupthink mean that there's a spiritual being that is affecting all of the people who are thinking in the same way or how exactly does that work? And we don't know the mechanism, you know, God put these, God put these things in place for a reason. He made a lot of these creatures for a purpose and we don't know exactly what it was. We don't understand it. So speculating is hard. <clears throat> well, there's certainly reasonable applications of groupthink. Yeah. Uh, you certainly wouldn't want to see uh, ordinary men, but you also would like to see everybody clean up after themselves after a picnic. And for told. anybody who's watching this, what he's speaking to when he's talking about ordinary men is there's a book. Um, I've got it on behind me on the shelf here, but it's about the ordinary people in 
the Third Reich who were responsible for being the death squads that went and killed the Jews and how they got to be that way. They were not soldiers. They were not specially selected. They were not specially trained. They were just first responders. They were just... They were just like you and me. Just like you and me. Just like each of us. And, man, I tell you, that kind of group think is not what you want. But we're all vulnerable to it, especially if we're not aware of what the flip is going on. Especially, especially. Oh, and it's interesting for me watching things progress. The uh, powers and principalities will take hold of institution, take hold of powers where they see an, an effort uh, with output. They, they, yep. they see something they want out of it. Yep. You know, we, we grew up uh, with the word evolution. You know, and at at one point it meant one thing. At, at some point they they were explaining scientifically that genetics changed and we were one kind of animal and we changed into a different kind of animal. Of course, thinking of humans as animals is not biblical. But the word itself, the description yeah. of what the definition should be, molded and changed and molded and changed so long as it was useful in attacking the church useful in attacking his word yeah and then when it wasn't anymore it was released it, it now flows with biblical history and science it makes sense it's not a pure lie it's settled as to what its definition is but all of the shifting of definition had a purpose it did and and you know anything where the definition shifts, where the, the goalposts move, where the where things are obviously aimed at a different place when they're done than when they started is a pretty good indicator that there's some kind of enemy activity there because all lies, all deception comes from the enemy. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't blind us to things sometimes he does you know there are things that he keeps us from seeing but when it comes to outright lies when it comes to manipulation that's always a hallmark of the enemy always and so when we when we talk about this stuff actually the whole you say that and one of the things that comes to my mind is the spiritual blindness is another really great ex example of where we see these powers and principalities at work. And that is um, when you are talking to somebody who is like super dogmatic about something, super, super dogmatic, and you bring up an angle that is genuinely different, genuinely new, genuinely has some kind of commentary to make on what they're saying, and they just can't hear you. Humans will try to explain that in a psychological sense, but there's a spiritual component to that. The enemy will keep us from hearing things, keep, a, keep people from being able to understand things in order to accomplish their ends. It makes people blind to the truth. And that's another great manifestation of it. Go ahead. I would also throw in, of course, um, I have a very serious belief that things are revealed to us in time as well. Oh, like, sure, I, sure. I, I would call towards uh, the revelations of um, 
what we call technology. Um, calculus came about <clears throat> in multiple parts in the world at the exact same time. Um, the same is true for Bosen Higgs. It's more recent. Yeah, the, the much Higgs more recent. Yeah. Something along the, but we, we get these things that hit the human race all at once. Right? So things sure. are revealed and it's not our fault that we weren't shown beforehand. Sure. Right? There's, there's more than one thing happening there. Yeah. Intentional deception is not things not revealed. That's you're absolutely right. So I would always just bring that up. No, no, you're, you're right. And it's, that's a totally a fair point. No, you know, I, before we, before we get to the end of this, I would like to sort of speak to anybody who's hearing this and it has like, it's totally new to them because even in Christian circles, we don't talk about this stuff real often in detail like you and I have today. It's like we get, we sort of don't want to delve into that. It's uncomfortable. There's something weird about it. But but a lot of times lately when I talk to people about this stuff, it's like they're hungry for it. They're, they really want to hear it. So to anybody who's watching this, there, there are three really, really important things that you need to know. Number one is what I said before. You need a relationship with Christ. And he... <sighs> What you've done, who you are, how you live, does not matter. As much as you're willing to turn to him, he will meet you. And that's critical. You need him. We all do. Me no less than anybody else. So that's number one. And number two, don't, don't over... Don't, don't get your interest in this stuff. Don't let your interest in demon stuff carry you too far down that road to where you're getting absorbed by it it's think of it as sort of a means to an end they're they're a thing we have to deal with but that's all they are and we shouldn't give them more attention than they deserve because a lot of times when people get absorbed in this stuff they get sucked into it and by doing that they actually make themselves vulnerable to it it's not a healthy thing to be dwelling on. And so when, yeah. like in the Bible, we're told not to engage in witchcraft, not to engage in divination, not to engage in those things, it's, it's not because they don't work. It's because when we put our attention on them, we're opening ourselves up to spiritual realities that are not healthy. They're dangerous. They're, they're not good for us. Okay, so that's two. <clears throat> the third and I would point, say that... Go ahead, yeah. Sorry. I would say the discussion points... Um, generally are good because as we don't plan on stopping <laughs> so as we continue no. to discuss as a um, mnemonic if, uh device just, or, or just just a memory device something that calls to mind the overall reality of what we're talking about this is sort of the foundation of our worldview right it's the sort of the foundation of what we believe and how we interact with the world and so we need to call back to that and along those lines, along those lines, on a practical level, the third thing I was going to say is just this, that we are given authority over these things to bind them, to command them, to require things of them as necessary. That doesn't mean that we can use them to our will. That's not right. That's, that's insane. And at the same time, what you need to know to be practical about this, you can find it all in the Gospels. You can find it all in 
this in particularly in the New Testament, but in the whole Bible, how they interacted with these things. It's like Jesus and his disciples. There's an example where the disciples come to him and they say, Lord, we tried to cast out this demon and it didn't work. What's up? What What's wrong with this? And he, Jesus turns to the thing and he says, get out of him. And it does. And he says, oh, you, ye of little faith. But to be fair, these things don't usually come out without prayer and fasting. <laughs> so it's like, well, yeah, okay. Sometimes it takes more than just the speech. Sometimes... Sometimes more intent, more intentionality, more faithfulness is required to deal with them. And exactly how that works, I don't freaking know. But it's all in there. We've got everything we need. We are equipped to deal with these things. So, With Jesus. Well, through him, through in Jesus. his authority that is given to us as Christians and outside of that, we don't have anything. Oh, it's a good place for uh, people to reach out to you to uh, to have fellowship if they're looking for fellowship in this. Um, okay, so that's a great question. Um, the main one that I check regularly is Twitter. At uh, Modern Apocrypha is my main handle on Twitter. You can also find me at Jared and Michaud on Twitter. And the Energemetra 6 Twitter is for the book. And we ought to, we ought to talk about that real quick, too. We should um, talk about that. <laughs> we probably should have hit that before the break, but either way. Awesome. So the thing that originally prompted us to do this podcast now was um, I finished writing a book called Bright Star. It's due to come out April 16th, 2024. Thank you, Greg. I still don't have one on my desk. I will fix that. I promise. Um, oh. Anyway, so I wrote, I wrote the book Bright Star and this podcast See, is... See, that's the big difference is you're tired of it because you wrote it. I'm still reading it because <laughs> I just got it. See, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Well, to be fair, though, you've heard more of it than most people because you were one of the beta readers. But either way, either way, um, Bright Star is the reason, the thing that started us on this process and it is what is sponsoring and enabling this podcast. So uh, if you're enjoying what we've said, if you're interested, please... Go to uh, e6universe.com, energemetra6.com, which you can't spell. I'll put a link in the description, whatever. e6universe.com. And um, if you'd like, you can use the uh, discount code Israel for 10% yeah. off. 10% off, so you can buy the book. The other thing is, if you are if you uh, don't have the money to spend on a copy, I'm looking for people for the book launch team. We still need more, uh, more help with that, and I'm sending out free copies to book launch team members who are willing to post on social media and uh, post a few book so, reviews when the book comes out. So check out the book. You get what for being a pre-reader? Uh, uh, oh, uh, you mean they, for the book launch team? For the book launch team, they get... Okay, for the book launch team, they get a free signed copy, a free physical signed copy. I'll ship it out as soon as the sign-up okay. happens. And... Uh, in return for that, what I expect of people is that, you know, you post on social media, you uh, be willing to post a couple of reviews on places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble when the book launch comes around, sort of in a coordinated be, way. And be that's... a good Ford GT owner. <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. I drive a, like, a 25-year-old little pickup, man. I know there there are some uh, mandates out of some of the posh car companies that you uh, show off the vehicle. 
You're kidding, really? No, no, you can't have the vehicle unless you promise and sign a contract to show it off. Uh, <laughs> Holy and crap. Have, I, I had I, no idea that was a thing. That's amazing. They're also the most expensive vehicles. We, we, we give it to you for free. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and that's, that is actually the case is I'm, I'm badly needing help. So anybody who sees this, if, uh, April, uh, 2024 hasn't rolled around yet, please come check it out. Uh, looking for book launch team members. Thank you. Absolutely. Come, come check out a fun sci-fi novel. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, uh, more, more info. We talked a little bit more about that in episode one too. So if you're, if you're actually interested in learning a little more about it, there's that there. So anyway, yeah, and, and, and actually the topic we've been talking about today plays into it a little bit too. Um, I, it was part of the driving force for writing this story because we learn in, in the Gospels, Jesus, Jesus told people the truth via parables and stories a lot. And one of my goals in writing Bright Star was to give people a, a look into some truth through a fictional lens. So... Well, we know that uh, language will be something to uh, be conquered, even within a language. Um, so getting the message across through parable is uh, maybe the only way. One of these days, we'll have to bring up the uh, concept of God's voice reaching the appropriate ear at the appropriate time. Oh, my gosh. That is such a... The way God <laughs> Another works, episode. The way, well, and the way God works is just so cool. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. A full episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we've been at this about a mm, little over, I think it's about 50 minutes again. Um, you wanna, okay. You're going to call it here shortly or you got something else on your mind? Because if you got something else, we can definitely hit it. No, I think that that's probably good enough to take people's ear for the day. And I, I think I've already come up with a couple of more topics as we continue to discuss. I'm super happy to come back. and. Awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Going. I'm enjoying the heck out of this. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Jared. All right. And thank you, everybody, for watching. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.